What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk the Podcast, the insurgent bi-weekly audio syllabus. Also, the podcast that your favorite podcast steals all its content from. Uh, wow. <laughs> sick of these signed um, podcast network podcasts wow. taking our shit, Nikita. You just said it's the end of the year. Fuck it. For real. You know, I couldn't take that into 2020, okay, you know. right. New year, new me. I'm about to say next year will be new year, new me. <laughs> My name is Money, the Dunn Dissertation Dyke. Oh, oh my God. Oh my gosh. What did you do today? What did you do today? Tell them what you did today, Money. I submitted my completed dissertation to my advisor. Full fucking draft. Yes. Um, so I just want to thank all of y'all for your continued support through that trying hard time. Yeah. Um, I'm not yet Dr. Money. So I still got to defend it, y'all. But but still, a full very completed draft yeah. of the dissertation. That's huge. Yeah. Oh, I am so proud of you, Montanique. Thank you. Like, seriously, this is such a huge accomplishment. It really is. I have no more chapters to write. I'm done. No more chapters. All right. Oh, God. Here I am. Go. What do you mean? Here I go. Back on your bullshit. Back on my bullshit. I am Nikita, who I am every week. Mm-hmm. Your friendly neighborhood practicing homosexual. As, as opposed to a not practicing homosexual. You're not practicing homosexual. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> but like everything in life, in order to be good at it takes practice. All right. Drop the intro. (laughs) Love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe inside my submission. I give you all of me. Want to make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light, I'm loving your soul They hate you, replace you, taint you, but know that you go Worldwide from every continent, I just want you to jig a little bit Move them hips, feel that bliss, hug your sister, make a fist Don't resist your temptation, you amazing, no limitation My favorite in this matrix, we move by your vibration And that's love, I hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love, I hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love, I love you. you love, hey. All right, um, so it's it's been a minute, Nikita. Yeah. Yeah. Should we tell people why? Yes, yes, they deserve um explanation. And also, thank y'all for returning and sticking with us. You know, the end of the year has been, like, a struggle for us. Yeah, it has been, so... There's been a lot of things that have happened. But last week, or whenever the appropriate, whenever our regularly scheduled program was, was supposed to drop. Week. Yeah, last week. Nikita's lungs to, fell out. I had to go to urgent care. And you all, listen to Montanique is so embarrassing. She's so ridiculous. Because she strolled up into that urgent care like a black mama. And she was being over the top y'all, the whole time. Y'all, my best friend texted me, hey... No big deal. My lung collapsed. Just, that's not That's not what happened. We were I'm going to be at the urgent care. We were supposed to record. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we decided when we were going to record. So I texted her that night. And I was like, hey, um, I'm at the urgent care. Probably going to be a little late recording tonight. 
And Montanique was like, for you? Like five question marks. And I was like, yeah, just have a little pain in my chest. And I'm having a hard time breathing. And she was like, oh, my gosh. And then I think I called her or she called me. And I was like, yeah, I'm not the one in this town. She's like, um, okay, I'm coming. And I was like, you don't even, and that's why I sent her the address. And she's like, I'm already on my way. I'm, I was already in the car. I already knew. So, y'all, we get into the urgent care. Or I'm already there. Money rolls up. And she was having a hard time breathing, y'all. It was, yeah, there was like pain breathing. And so, the, I don't know what happened, but the, oh, there was like some kind of emergency that happened. So, the the urgent care is packed. Like, the wait time, they're saying that the wait time is like 80 minutes. So, other people are in there th- who've gotten there before me, and Money's like, and so they're calling people up, right? People who got there before me, and Money was like, these people look fine! They, 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 they look fine! They were She's fine. She's like, sir, she can't breathe! She can't breathe! I was like, Money, I'm fine. No, you were not fine. <coughs> Everybody knows the rules of the emergency room. Chest pains, Trump, everything. And she was being you so... You supposed to skip the line. You were being so... What did you say? Oh, you said something that was so ridiculous. Oh, so it's, I think, I can't remember the place. It's called like Well Now or something. Mm-hmm. And Money was like, it's not called Well Now. She's like, it's Well Now. <laughs> she was just being so belligerent. I, I wasn't. I was, I was worried. I was worried. No, I, You know what? I'm giving you a hard time and I'm teasing you, but I, I appreciate. I'm lucky to have somebody who cares about me as much as you do. Yeah, because Nikita's one of these people where something will be falling off and she'll be like, maybe I should go to the doctor now. Yeah. So, like, for her to be like, we can't record because I'm having, like, trouble breathing, yeah, I was it, really worried. It had already gone on for, like, three or four days. And I was like, eh, I would just probably sleep it off. I really thought she had an esophageal tear. Okay. Be- so. and, and, and I know that you all are probably like, why did you all think that? You know, why did money think that? She doesn't know. I... She no. just, she just like, I had that in her brain. No, okay. I, I looked up all your symptoms and I was like, oh my God, she tore her something. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm teasing you, Just but don't Google your symptoms. I, I was on WebMD. I had diagnosed myself exactly. with some kind of intense, like, <laughs> very serious lung disease. And I was like, oh, like, I have this. And this is going to be my, you know, my new life now. I'm going to have to figure out how to manage and deal. And then I was like, oh. Not make that. make okay. it's just a strain from a cough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh goodness. So anyway, I'm feeling much much better. I'm so glad. Yep. And then after that, you know, I just I was like hell bent on banging out my conclusion. I was like, I'm sick of this. It's getting in the way of the podcast. It's getting in the way of my life. Yeah. I just want to be done. And so, yeah, so I was recuperating, and money was dissertating. Yeah. Yeah. And so, now we back on it. Back on it. We thank y'all for coming back. We definitely didn't want to leave y'all at the end of 2019. Talking about... uh, Kent Raggedy Yeah. Yeah. Who still has to go. Still has to go. Um, Hashtag bye Kent. Adios Kent. All right. Arrivederci Kent. (laughs) Okay. So, now that we're on the mic, would you like to tell folks where they can find us, Nikita? Yes. They can find us on all the social media things. So, on... Instagram and on Twitter, you can find us at Queer Walk P O D, and on the Book of Faces, you can find us facebook.com slash Queer W O C P O D, and you can find us where it all began on the Pornless Tumblr, <laughs> QueerWalk.com. And where can they listen? Oh, 
before I tell them where they can listen. Because, you know, social media is very public. Oh, okay. You know, but sometimes you want to send something, you know, just a little more intimate, mm-hmm. if you will. You know, maybe a longer missive, if mm-hmm. you like. Oh, who am I to be, you know, ensconced in the, by a, a word limit? A character limit. Obviously, you you And can. you're like, I need to send something a little bit more personal, private, and longer in length. Well, you can do that by shooting us an email at queerwalkpod at gmail.com. That's and- also where you can send all of your suggestions for Queer Walk of the Week, topics, and if you're trying to get us to come out somewhere. Yeah. Queerwalkpod at gmail.com. Now, can you say where we can listen? Yes. So, you can listen to us on... Pocket Cast, Castbox, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and of course all of the other major places where you can listen to podcasts, except for Spotify. Spot a lie. Um. <laughs> that was good. That's that's like no. the person who spells America with three K's. <laughs> I'm just you know ever since um, you know in the BBB group chat when we was talking about how they like fix the. The year-end rap. Oh yeah, and like eliminated some podcasts from from the from showing up in people's like top top five. Podcasts. And like such, yeah. it's it's really fuck Spotify. Yeah. If I wasn't already fuck Spotify, I'm I certainly am yeah. now. Oh, uh, sadly, you will never find Queer Walk the podcast on Spotify. <laughs> I was about to say, I bet there's some rep from Spotify listening. It was like, oh, well, I see that. Well, stay independent then, bitch. <laughs> Free Palestine, nigga. <laughs> We're going to be independent forever. <laughs> which is fine by me. <laughs> All right, money. So we've introduced ourselves. You and I have the luxury and the privilege and the honor to be the hosts of this here program. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, this whole queer rock community just doesn't depend on us. That's right. Like I said, it's a community. Mm hmm. And one of the ways that you sustain and contribute and give life to a community is by being active and participating and giving to that community. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, Money, mm-hmm. how can people contribute to this here podcast? You in these dramatic pauses. Man, watching too much Frasier. Ah! Um. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Triggering? I was about to say, that's, tri- that's still fresh? <laughs> okay. 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 Um. You all can contribute to the Queer Walk community one of two ways. The first way is giving us your money. Um, You can do that on Cash App as a one-time donation at dollar sign Queer Walk Pod, P-O-D. Or you can become a sustainer over on the Patreon, which is a monthly donation. You can give as much or as little as you can afford. You can adjust. You can delete some months, pause it, come back when you got the money. Um, it's just a more consistent way to contribute to Queer Walk. And, um, you know, it's the end of the year. It's the perfect time to go ahead and get in there because we have big things coming in 2020. We do. Yes. So you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash queerwalkpod, P-O-D. Looking forward to the future with 2020 vision. Yes. (laughs) Queer Walk Upstate Escape 2020. Oh, yeah. I'm graduating. Oh my god. We got the title. Okay. Uh, The second way you can contribute to Queer Walk, the podcast, is by loving us out loud doing the R's. Rate us, review us, request a topic, repost when we tweet 
or when we share share gosh we need to take more pictures together yeah we do we see each other so much it's like we see each other every day and so you I just think don't think it's, about it's, taking yeah, a picture. Yeah. It's just like not an event when we're together. And that's why you all need to contribute financially. So that way we could have a professional photographer. We don't even need a professional around. photographer. We just need some. I'm who- doing what I can to get people to donate. <laughs> One Stop those, undermining me. We just need you to upgrade your iPhone. Nikita has <gasps> oh like an iPhone 4. And if we yeah. could get I think, it. I think I'm probably one of the few people that had the, the secret iPhone uh, fraction. I have the one point seven five. The iPhone one and three quarter. I'm I'm laughing, but I have an Android, so exactly. um, yeah. I, I will say my camera's good though. It is. Um, yes. So uh, repost when we when we do post uh, photos, retweet us and reply. You can also use the hashtag QueerWalk or hashtag QueerWalkPod, P-O-D, to talk all things the podcast, to tag us and stuff you want us to see. Mm-hmm. Um, when people are floating out in the Twitter universe asking for a queer podcast led by people of color, tag us. Tag us. All those things help. Submit your Curved Chronicles to QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. These are all ways of loving us out loud. And... Sustaining this here program. That's right. All right, Nikita. We're going to move it on along to our final. Queerwalk, Queerwalk, Queerwalk of of the the Week week of 2019. Yeah, wow, this is huge. This is. So, you know, I felt like we could end the decade with no other lesbian luchadora than our own. Fabiola? Oh, okay. <laughs> See, I always have to be like, and they fine. I should stop doing that. Okay. Our own dear friend. Who is fine? Fabiola Ortiz Valdez. Yeah. So, Nikita, you want to tell? Oh, my goodness. I feel like we talk about Fabi so much. So much. Yeah. But it's so worth it. But now, I feel like we, you know, kind of talk about her here and there. But this, this gives her her proper due. Yes. Okay. So... Fabiola is a proud, proud uh, immigrant from Chihuahua, Mexico. Yep. She's very happy and very proud to be from northern Mexico, mm-hmm. which she always reminds us, which is important. And um, so she did a lot of really important um, organizing work um, out there. And then we're such a, again, we're so honored and privileged to have all of the experience and knowledge she gained in Chihuahua that she's brought with us to upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm actually, before we even get into her, you know, her activist creds, we should say, as you talk about finishing your dissertation, yes. Fabiola is also a doctoral candidate uh, in anthropology. She's working on an amazing uh, dissertation about farm workers and like social reproduction and gender on farms. And so she's not, like many people who, uh, like she's like a lot of people uh, I, who we know, who I should say, where she's not just doing her um, academic work right, right. in the ivory tower, exactly. right? but she's making it meaningful, making it and count, bring, bringing it to like a broader, not just bringing it to a broader public, but making sure that the work that she does, um, you know, in collaboration with others, has plays a direct role in supporting organizing. Yes, and mm-hmm. we've mentioned it before, but Fabiola is one of the co-authors of groundbreaking and important mm-hmm. 
report called Milked. M-I-L-K-E-D. What is milked? As you might have guessed, it's about dairy farm workers here in mm-hmm. upstate New York. Fabiola is a co-author on that. Again, really, really groundbreaking uh, participant, engaged, like participatory report around dairy farm workers here in uh, upstate New York. And why is that report so important? Because that report along with the organizing from the Worker Center of Central New York. And Fabiola was a longtime board member and also an organizer with the Worker Center of Central New York. But through that work with the organization and through the, you know, working with and organizing farm workers in that report led to another groundbreaking, historic. Oh, my God, that was this year. That was this year. We we talked about it on the podcast this year. Holy shit. I forgot that that was this year. But anyway, uh, the Worker Center of Central New York and the Worker Justice Center of New York. uh, Yeah, the Worker Justice Center of New York and Crispine Hernandez are all in a lawsuit against New York State. Mm -hmm. They sued and successfully... They want the state. I mean, I think that the Farm Bureau is still like in this kind of like limbo period. There was mm-hmm. like an appeal, but the governor came out and said that he wouldn't over he wouldn't fight against it. Mm-hmm. So the Farm Bureau is in the is in the process of, you know, they're doing their appeals. This is normal course, you know, the how lawsuits go. But anyway, the point remains this is a huge groundbreaking victory that Fabiola was really just an integral part, yeah. You know, of making instrumental, exactly. So, and what is the lawsuit? It's just about making sure that farm workers have the are not excluded from the basic labor protections here in New York State, like having the right to organize, having a day off, having a day off, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, so now in her current iteration of work, she's with the New York Immigration Coalition, and so. I just want to say what's so important about um, Fabiola's role um, with the New York Immigration Coalition is that she's, like the name of the organization suggests, is like building and helping stitch together coalitions of um, undocumented immigrant and refugee communities. And she's specifically based here upstate. And I feel like so much of the, you know, immigrants' rights work, again, very important. You mm-hmm. know, people think of it only happening in Chicago yeah. and New York City and places like that. But mm-hmm. it's, it's also happening in places, you know. Like low, like, low Syracuse. Like Syracuse mm-hmm. or like small country rural towns where there's a lot of like immigrant workers, right, you right. know. And so she's doing a lot of really important work um, on that front. And another huge victory that Fabiola was instrumental um, in working on was the Green Light victory. And so I don't have time to get too deep into it, but the Green Light campaign was a campaign to expand access to driver's licenses regardless of immigration status. Yes. And actually just this week, so that was like, I think that campaign was going for about three years. And just so just this week, folks were able to go and apply for driver's license regardless of your immigration mm-hmm. status. And again, I don't want to get too far into it, but you know, we just talked about being upstate. There's yeah. just not mass. I mean, we know that the MTA, it seemed like it's on its last leg in the city anyway, but there's no public transit up here. Up here, yeah. You know, and so it's like, it's, it's not a privilege. It's like by necessity, yeah. regardless of your immigration status, you need to be able to drive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so... And I mean, if anybody who has gone to the DMV and they ask you for a vial of blood, um, right. a, a sample a lock of, your- of hair from your grandchildren's <laughs> yeah. children. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, all these things to prove, you know, this is huge. Exactly. Yeah, as far as like access for a lot of people. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so 
In addition to all these wonderful academic and activist accolades, she has she's also a wonderful wife to a wonderful partner. And oh my fucking God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just one of the mothers of the cutest. The cutest. In the history of the universe. Yeah. It's a, it's a broad claim, but it's true. <laughs> I think our friend group has such yeah. cute kids. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. It's almost not so, fair. Yeah. It's, it's no competition. Yeah. I feel bad for these other babies. Yeah. <laughs> Another bizarre fact about Fabiola, if she spends a lot of time around you, she does these really outrageously good impressions of all her friends. It's it's really strange. Nikita is also uh, a easy person to do an impression of. I'm, I think that's debatable. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't want to move the limelight away from Fabiola. Yes, but anyway, and she's also just someone who we have, you know, the just a dear friendship to call her with. Friend. Yes, yeah. yes. She's just so funny, so witty, so cute. Yes, yeah. and you know we just love her to pieces. And there's just no there's no other person we could have ended the year. Talking about I mean, again, Absolutely. just think about all these things we're talking about. Victories, victories, yeah, yeah. So all she do is win. All she do is win, win, win. Yeah. No matter what, you really want to have Fabby on your team. You because, do. I mean, <laughs> she picking up no L's. <laughs> right. So we love you, Fabiola, so and we celebrate you. And we just wanted everyone listening to this podcast to know how amazing you are. Um, for your activism, for your parenthood, right, and for your friendship, right, and we, we love we'll you. post an article, uh, not an article. We'll post a link to the milk report and an article about the the green light win. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we tell? Uh, we'll also put her at in the um, description. I think everybody should follow her on Instagram because, again, I mean, Betty. This is very true. Yeah. At Sembrando ninety four. All right, Nikita, we're going to move it on along to Community Contributors. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> money is doing jazz hands now. <laughs> I mean, um, I think it's, um, it, it's okay. We're about to roll into the 20s, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. So, I have to find some, um. 20s like, little yeah. uh, ditty bop. Yeah. That's going to be awful. <laughs> Maybe we should just focus on like a bebop instrumental. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. All right. So we want to shout out Lee who came through on the Patreon front and became a new patron. Thank you, Lee. Lee. And we also want to send a shout out to Addis and Candice who came through on the Cash App. On the Cash App. You know, I think Candice is our most popular listener name. It really is. (laughs) A lot of Candice listeners. Yeah. Spelled different ways. Spelled differently. Yeah. Yeah. I'm enjoying seeing all the different spellings. Uh, yeah, so thank you, uh, Candace with a K. Candace with a K. <laughs> Candace with a K on Cash App. Yes. Um, and now, oh gosh. the <laughs> the shout outs that I always fuck up because I never claim to be a geographer. <laughs> and borders, are borders are social fake. construction. Exactly. Um, the town shout outs because I don't. I have no idea the size of these cities. So, in our top ten. This week. Okay. You know, we really got the 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 smaller cities on lock, Nikita. That's our listener that, that, base. It really is. A huge shout out to Wiley, Texas. Oh my gosh. That's like, I, I went to school around there. That's a shout out to North Texas coming through. Wow. I never even seen this Nikita. She, 
She just <laughs> turned into Nikita B. Stallion over here. Oh Shout God. out to Texas. <laughs> That's great. Um, Hollywood, Florida. That sounds outrageous. Out. I, I won't say what I think it sounds. What does it sound like? Sounds like stand your ground racist. Hollywood. Well, I don't. I've never spent too much time in Florida. Whew. Um, Hollywood. Remember Beyonce had that song? No. Okay. Well, you're not a real fan. Anyway. And Harrison, New Jersey. I feel like there's so many different Harrisons in, in the Northeast. Harrison, well, Harrison. All the names just repeat. They really do. Yeah. So. Well, anyway. Thank you so much, Harrison. We're not trying to shit on your bland, repetitive city name. <laughs> you know what? This is we really we're probably we losing. Stop. Yeah, exactly. We They're shout like, out. Oh, oh, <laughs> that's how you feel about Harrison? Bet. <laughs> I'm kidding. We love you. Yeah, we really love y'all. So hey, y'all ain't named that whack ass city. Thank you, Wiley. Thank you, Hollywood, and thank you, Harrison. Harrison right. <laughs> All right, Nikita, you got the reviews or uh, some yes. feedback? So. There's just, I don't feel like we'd be doing our Twitter followers justice. So, I was so happy. We got, we had a tweet from Jayla Love One. And this is a throwback episode. Well, not too far back, but far enough. So, Jayla says, I'm so happy I found this. And she's talking about, or excuse me, they're talking about our Euphoria review episode. Mm. And Jayla goes on to say, y'all's analysis of this show is exactly what I wanted to hear. I was especially happy to hear that y'all thought the representation of mental health was authentic. I felt the same way, and it felt so good to be seen. Thank you. Hashtag euphoria. Oh, thank you. know, really, thank you. Because um, we didn't get a lot of, like, feedback on the euphoria episode. Yeah, we didn't. Thank you for that. And you made me, like, binge watch it. And I didn't I, make you. Yes, you did, Nikita. Montanique, that is a strong word. Um, <laughs> And it was, I, I thought that our review of euphoria was, like... You know, it was a community review. I mean, whether people liked it or not. I know I had a, a swell, fun-ass time recording it. It was fun as fuck, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. And shout out again to Ambivalent Addis. Because Ambivalent Addis sent us a change.org petition. Oh my God. To keep Frasier on Netflix. Addis, um, I love you. I'm sure you're a wonderful person. But check your DMs because we got beef. <laughs> no, we don't. Nikita was so excited about this. You can't give Nikita nothing, y'all. This yes, is, this yeah. is why I'm, you have to be mean to her because well, if, if this is going to go so well with your mental moment today. <laughs> if you're if you're supportive or nice to Nikita in even the smallest oh my way, gosh. she turns into a little I'm tyrant. Like, I'm like. If you give, you know, if you give somebody an inch, if you give Nikita an inch, she'll take no less than 7,000 kilometers. She will. <laughs> she will. I deserve every bit of it. See? <laughs> but no fear, because I found out from the Bay that Frazier is now on Hulu. So everything is safe. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> everything is safe. Things are back to normal. Thank you so much. And one of the, some listeners came through. I'm not going to say your name because I don't want, you know, what's that thing every time you search for something and there's like an illegal copy? Yeah. Digital copyright? Yeah. Millennium Act? Mm-hmm. Anyway, somebody, one of the listeners said that they could come through. And with, drop box you Frasier. They did. So wow. I just feel like a lot of people felt the Frasier scare, but everyone, <laughs> you can calm down. Put your pitchforks away. We don't have to storm on any offices. We don't have to march. We don't have to chant. 
because things are okay. Frasier is on Hulu, so we're fine. I really want to understand why Frasier speaks to so many queer women of color. Hey, well. Like, why was everybody like, whew? <laughs> this i don't understand it was it was i mean that's just not any way that anybody wanted to end the year i tell you that right now (laughs) actually start the year because they they're saying january 1st oh that's cruel (laughs) it's like you can have your birthday you can have frazier for your birthday january 1st (laughs) cut it (laughs) so we love it this is our favorite segment Mm -hmm. community contributors because we love hearing from y'all like i mean money and i were you know we're friends before the pad- podcast, so I mean, we just gonna kiki and be silly regardless. So it's nice to kiki and be silly and have a community with you, to, yeah, you know, to do it with, yeah. You know, because money's okay sometimes, but it's nice to have again a broader community. I'm the light of your life, okay? Okay, maybe, all right. Maybe like the you know night light, maybe. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the, <laughs> the night light at the bathroom when you scared as a kid. <laughs> Oh, wow! Okay. Okay. Let's get into this mental moment. It's been six months since Nikita had a jingle. It's it's been a very trying year for me. Anyway, you knew to this. It's been six I would say months, I'm... eight days, 12 hours since a jingle played. <laughs> I miss it so much okay. that I don't know what to say. Okay, you, first of all, you sound terrible. Second, I should be healing you. Because <laughs> Nikita does jingles better, but it's just not the case. <laughs> okay. It's been six months, eight days, 12 hours since a jingle played. Wow, this is a very interesting way to end the year. <laughs> anyway, before I was so uh, off-keyly interrupted, <laughs> the mental moment is the mental moment with money is the segment on the show where our resident limited license mental health professional Montani gives us tidbits, insights, and I would say a very holistic view of health generally, but specifically mental health. Mm-hmm. So again, all kinds of tidbits, insights, updates. You know something we love on the show definitions. Anyway, yeah, I be trying. You don't. You don't just try. You succeed. So without further ado, we're gonna move it on to the mental moment with money. Thanks, Nikita. Oh, that sounded enthusiastic. <laughs> um. Okay. So um, I wish I could end the year on a lighter note, but I'm gonna try to keep it light. You know, I feel like there's so much I want to say before I get into the mental moment. Um, one is I just want to give and I say, okay, so I'll just start with a personal reflection. So my Twitter got weird as fuck after I posted that I finished my conclusion. And I feel like this is the, um, herein lies the rub of being an academic, right? It's like, as an academician, I am just a bitch who likes to read, write and study, like, I, I really like to understand my craft. Like, if I say absolutely, I'm doing something, absolutely. I want to study that shit. And that's why I'm here, right? right like, that, right. that's why I, could, I stayed in school. Um, not to play these hashtag black excellent better, right, right, better right, than thou right, right, black right, games, right. which you ashy motherfuckers, okay? So, um, <laughs> I know that probably none of y'all who are listening are um, in the herd 
of hundreds of um, hashtag black excellence. Y'all know what I mean by that. Not not us who are like accomplishing things and yeah. like doing shit and like making meaningful interventions in the lives of yeah. black folks. But the people who are like, let's let's go to brunch and sit the, here and t- talk the pseudo bougie esplanade elite blacks. Those kind of. You have a computer when you should have a passport. Right. Like those, those yeah. motherfuckers, you know? And and they, I just had an influx of them on my Twitter after I tweeted about my conclusion. And I just really, really need folks to know that I am not in a PhD program to play those games, right? right? I'm trying to get my paper so I can do my things for my people. Right. Not, not, not as just some status symbol or some kind of whatever thank you. notions of prestige. Right. Absolutely. So speaking of... I want to give a huge ashe to another black woman who got her PhD to do the same thing. Um, Dr. Margaret Morgan, who actually got married, and her name is Dr. Margaret Lawrence, who passed away at the age of 105. Oh, my gosh. But um, I wanted to shout her out because she's the first black woman psychiatrist and psychoanalyst in the United States. Wait, um, what? Yeah. Say that again. She's the first black woman psychiatrist, psychoanalyst in the United States. And she was actually a child psychologist. Um, and so this, yeah, so after my Twitter got weird, like I just, um, and coming across her and she passed away a week before I finished my conclusion. Oh my gosh. Um, it just felt, and, and finding out that she went to graduate school upstate, it just felt like apt, yeah, right? Like yeah. to shout her out at the beginning of this mental moment. So I just want to tell y'all a little bit about um, Margaret Lawrence, Dr. Margaret Lawrence, and um, just continue to call her name because she is one of the trailblazers who did this shit before me. Yeah. Um, and who who got her PhD for her people too. Yeah. So, um, so, so she went to Cornell as an undergrad um, in the 1930s. And uh, they wouldn't admit her to the medical school, even though she had a pretty much like like straight A um, undergrad career there because they had admitted a black person 25 years prior and said it, quote, didn't work out because he died of tuberculosis. What? <laughs> so they used that as grounds to not admit her because the only black person they had ever admitted died, died and therefore Holy didn't graduate. Um, that's all right because she went on to, um, she went on to Columbia's med school, got her things, um, and then went back to Harlem because she's from Harlem. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just wanted to read what she said about why she went back to Harlem. Because, you know, that's also part of this, like, uh, like bougie black narrative is, like, you you get out. Like, you escape where you're yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she went back because she understood that she was getting her things for her people. And she said, strength abounds in Harlem. Um, 300 years of oppression and Harlem still survives. Mm. So uh, she ran a clinic there for 70 years. And it just reminded me so much of Jules. Tice Williams. Yeah. She ran a clinic in Harlem for 70 years um, and before moving to Boston to be closer to her daughter, who's still alive and who also got her PhD and became a psychiatrist to continue her mother's work. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so I just really wanted to shout her out and, like, feeling all emotional about finishing my dissertation and, like, just being able to know the names of black women who, like, paved the right, way for right. me. Um, and who saw the importance of like doing this for our people? Yes, and um, like opening up doors. So, um, Ashe, Margaret, Dr. Margaret Lawrence, Ashe, and indeed. I continue in your honor. 
All right. So uh, the last mental moment of the decade, <laughs> I actually wanted to talk about emotional abuse and not in like a a downer way. I just wanted, because I think I, uh, I've i heard people use it um, or misuse, misuse it, it over the past few weeks. And I just wanted to sort of like clear up what, uh, what emotional abuse is and hopefully illuminate some things for folks. And, um, you know, address some ties that you might need to cut going into 2020, you know? Need to cut it. All right. So, before I specifically talk about emotional abuse, I just want to talk about what makes something abuse. Oh, I'm sorry. This is just so important. Okay. In our our moment. All right. So, when, when, when we talk about abuse, what we mean is a pattern of abusive and coercive behaviors used to maintain power over or control someone or a relationship. Um, I feel like I need to say that again. So abuse is a pattern, mm-hmm. right? It, it's like you can track it. So some people are really familiar with the uh, cycle of abuse. It's like a, a really popular graphic that people have seen before. So patterns usually follow like this this format, right? There's the calm honeymoon phase where okay. everything is great. You've never been a, in a better uh, relationship or friendship or connection with somebody. And then something happens and like tension starts to build. Then an abusive incident happens. And then this like magical reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And then it starts all over, all over again. again. Got it. That's typically the pattern that abuse follows. Okay. Um, of course, this can look different like an abusive boss, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, versus an abusive partner. But the important thing about abuse is that it's a pattern and it's cyclical, right? And um, these these power dynamics also, I think when uh, people misuse abuse, mm-hmm. um, abuse is about like controlling and having power over. Mm. So um, just think about it like that, right? Like, okay. is this abusive? It's like, well, does it feel like somebody's trying to have power over you? Yeah. Then it's probably abuse. Uh, so there's six main different types of abuse. So I'm going to list them, but I'm only going to talk about economic, I'm, I'm only going to talk about emotional abuse. Okay. Okay. We good? I'm ready. Okay. So the first type of abuse is economic abuse. The second type is physical abuse. The third type is sexual abuse. The fourth type is verbal abuse. Um, and the fifth type, which I'm going to talk about emotional or psychological abuse and the last type that's becoming more prevalent and what research is, um, like, fleshing out more lately is technological abuse. So, like, someone having, like, your PIN number oh, okay, or okay. Your, um, your password to things, okay. like, stuff like that. Because, you know, uh, or uh, revenge porn, like, oh, all these things okay. are, like, technological abuse, okay. right? The the more ways we find to connect to each other, the more ways we also find to abuse each other, <laughs> sadly. Shit. So, um, yeah, so technological abuse as well. All right. Okay, so I'm going to put two links in the description to this episode because I just don't have time to talk through all of it. All of, yeah. That would be its own podcast episode. Exactly. I just want to give you some like highlights, right? And and specifically talk about stuff that has been done for us, for like queer folks okay. um, around emotional abuse. So um, I'm going to go through some yes or no questions to sort of give you a sense of what um, emotional abuse could look like. Do you feel that something is wrong in your relationship, but you don't know how to describe it? 
Does it feel like your life is being controlled by your partner or your friend or whoever? Do you feel like your thoughts and feelings are not valued? Um, Will this person do anything to win an argument, such as put you down, threaten you, intimidate you? Do they get angry or jealous if you talk to someone else? Are you constantly accused of cheating? Um, uh, One that I see a lot in therapy is that they try to bring other people into belittling you. Mm. Like, like y'all will all be sitting in a room with someone and they'll try to like pull somebody else into like it like how stupid is it for yeah, her to yeah, do it yeah. right like that um do you have to like account do you feel like you have to over explain how you feel about something or your like emotional response to anything feeling like you can't do anything right Oh, when you try to talk to your partner about something, are you called like a nag or like a bitch? Oh, there's ones that I wanted to pull out of these articles I was reading earlier. So um, does your person that you're trying to assess if this is emotional abuse withhold affection? Mm. So um, this might look like uh, like I, I can't even look at you. I can't even touch you until until this. Right. Given an mm. ultimatum okay. about. Wow. Yeah. Um, do they emotionally alienate you from other significant people in your life? Like, I just don't see why you have to spend every Wednesday watching Mass Singer with them. Like, I just, (laughs) you know, like that becomes a problem. Right. Ooh, bitch. This article, (laughs) this article I was reading, I felt triggered and attacked. Do you experience giving in this relationship? Like they shower you with gifts. They shower you with compliments. They'll like clean your whole house, do do all of these like grand displays, and then it's quickly followed by a fight. Oh. So like you don't even appreciate the things that I do. Yeah. Look at look at everything I did for you. Right. Like quickly, quickly after giving. Wow. All if you answered yes to, <laughs> to the majority of those questions, then you're probably experiencing emotional abuse. Okay. Right? So um so if you couldn't like get it from that, like emotional abuse uh, refers to like the 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 psychological and emotional manipulation within relationships in order to control your emotional response or your emotional connectedness oh, okay. to other people. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and so I wanted to talk specifically about how this might look for like queer folks, um, because it it. Other things can be emotionally emotionally abusive for us. So, um, so if you're in a connected relationship with someone who's transitioning and they constantly make comments about your changing body, mm-hmm. that that is emotional wow. abuse. Threatening to out your partner, yeah. Telling other friends that the partner is abusive in order to isolate them from their friend group. So I'm not saying like if the person is actually abusive, yeah. but like telling them, telling people that they yeah. are in order because, you know, because you know that like queer folks have a higher, you know, yeah. we have a higher um, intelligence around these things because yeah. we like have to talk through trauma, yeah. sadly. Um, and so telling people like, oh, don't fuck with them because yeah. they're they're like abusive. Right. Oh, um, Refusing to let partners associate with certain members of the queer community. Like, I don't want you hanging around no other femmes. Because oh, okay. that, that, that right, right? right? That's another way emotional abuse can look in queer relationships. Oh, putting partners down for refusing to play into, like, gender, gender roles, roles. or Yeah. 
Um, you're supposed to be the stud. No, the stud takes the garbage out. <laughs> wow. Yes, that's 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 um emotional abuse and queer relationships because you're like trying to force somebody into a gender um like performance that doesn't that's actually not align with them. To who they are. Exactly, exactly. Uh, demeaning partners by like like playing on like how much they can pass as like straight or hetero or cis, mm-hmm. like um, making fun of that is an emotional as a way just... to say that look at you, you not really a right. part of that community, right? Um, like yeah, oh everybody think you straight anyway, like right, like right, what right. are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or um, like if somebody can't pass, it's like who else is gonna want you? Oh wow, um, you stuck with me, like yeah. those kind of things. And so as you can see, anything that makes you feel like you're in an emotional or psychological cage mm. within a relationship is emotional abuse. So a lot of times, like this is oh, so the World Health Organization mm. they did a twelve country survey. And um, it wasn't just white countries, right? Like it was a lot of um, a lot of POCs represented. Twenty percent to seventy five percent of women of color who responded, who had been in relationships, stated that they have experienced some form of intimate partner abuse. Oh God! And so, um, so not just physical. Like is it was my point of doing this as a mental moment. Right. Is like abuse can look a lot of different ways, but I think what's important to remember is one. That it's a pattern. Yeah. It's cyclical. Mm-hmm. It follows this cycle. Yeah. And that it's different from, like, having an argument or a disagreement yeah. with your partner. Yeah. Because, like, although your feelings can get hurt, um, there's elements of, like, power and control. And they're not doing that. Yeah, they're not. And when you're having an argument and a disagreement, they're not necessarily trying to exert power and control over your life. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Like... Like, I just picture it as, like, a cage coming down around your emotions or a cage coming down around your, like, psychological health. Like, that, when you start to feel like that, like, that's the red flag that this is abuse and not just we got into a tiff in this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And y'all know I'm a marriage and family therapist, so I I do a lot of work with, like, um, like, intimate partner connections, but this could also be for like a platonic relationship. Yeah. A lot of friendships are emotionally abusive. Ooh, I was going um, to ask about that. And I'm even thinking about um work relationships. Ooh, I think a lot a lot of bosses. I I actually thought of you when I saw this survey um about emotional abuse at the workplace that like some high percentage of people left their positions yeah. because because of their managers. Girl. And I'm like managers can be emotionally abusive too. I went to this training I think like two years ago mm-hmm. around workplace bullying. And I hate the term bullying because I think people, it's just silly. Mm-hmm. You know, people think, oh, you know, come on, you grown, you're not going to get bullied. But mm-hmm. the stories I heard there were absolutely harrowing. Yeah. Like, whew, that sh- shit is bad. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I hope this cleared up a little bit yeah. <laughs> of what emotional abuse is and how you can tell that it's happening. Um, again, I put some links in the episode description here to, um, stoprelationalabuse.org. They have a lot of, um, like resources, uh, and a lot of queer of color resources. Mm. That's, uh, so rare. I feel like Kimberly Crenshaw was the only one for a while writing about women of color and like, uh, 
our experiences. So um, it's really important, the work that they're doing. So I put a link to um, those resources. And yeah, that's what emotional abuse is, y'all. Money, thank you so much for doing that. But I also just really want to say thank you so much for honing in on how it can specifically manifest in queer relationships. Oh. Because some of that stuff... Like, some of that stuff, I'm like, oh, like, like once you say it out loud, I'm like, yes, that makes, of course, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's not stuff I would have, I think I would have immediately, like, called to mind. Yeah. So that that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whole, the, the purpose of my dissertation was to try to create a model of working with queer women of color mm-hmm. couples in therapy. Right. And so, <laughs> you and know. she has to create it because they don't currently exist. That as well. That as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... You know, I just, I just really, I'm, I'm into what's missing, but also like why it's missing. Yeah. Um, like, and, and what I can do, the alternative. yeah, like what I can do instead of like spending my time critiquing the fuck out of this, like, um, racist, uh, hetero, uh, sexist and all this, um, research, how can I just like build the alternative or like build onto work that's already being done? Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. How it looks in queer relationships, is it does look different than in straight relationships, you know? Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to move it on along to Nikita's segment. Oh, really? That's how um, you fit yeah. it in? Yeah. Okay, so for those of you who this might be your first time listening to Queer Walk, first of all, welcome. Second of all, Nikita's segment. That's how you're going to do it? <laughs> you didn't do a jingle. Oh, my God. And she has no excuse because she ain't been on the rig. I have been. What are you talking about? Okay. I you was, had, a, you had, I had like issue. a three-hour okay. commute okay. round trip. So, Nikita is our um, resident uh, black feminist labor organizer extraordinaire uh, who breaks down some social justice jargon, um, some movement that some movement that we need to be aware of of how it affects us as queer folks of color, just something. She always breaks down something, whether it's a tidbit of history, the roots of something. <laughs> you know, she she really she really always gives us a word. So here's our biweekly word from our worker wordsmith wizard Nikita. What? You gotta stop. That's you know what Montanique. If that's the type of hater-ass energy you want to take into 2020, then by all means, that's the kind of person that you're deciding to be, then I guess that's who you are. That's who I am. Okay. Can't expose a bitch who ain't got shit to hide. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. So this word seems so timely for the both of us. What is it? What's it's, your word? It's conflict. You know, this builds nicely on um, emotional abuse. It does. I know people out there like, are they beefing? No, no. we're not beefing. <laughs> Actually, so, because, you know, we said at the top of the show that we be hanging out a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we just be kiki in. Mm-hmm. And talking. And it's like, we didn't actually plan to do these two things. We didn't. Together, but it's just like, we've also just been having these conversations about these things. So, I wanted to talk about conflict. And I really just kind of want to talk about my own personal experiences with it. And I'm you, kind of like mainly talking about like organizing, but I feel like I have like been thinking about conflict 
Not, I would say in organizing, but I guess anytime you're just trying to do anything with a group of people, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I've been thinking about emotional abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just, I feel like I've been thinking about it for a lot of different reasons I do not have time to get into. For, for honestly, like, it's been at the forefront of my mind for like the last two years. And I just feel like these are, so these are just like kind of just personal things and insights and experiences that I want to share. And I'm still very much thinking through this. So if y'all got resources or, you know, interviews, articles, books, or whatever that you want to share, then please, by all means, do. I'll share a few. Okay. All right. So again, this is not like the, my. it's not going to be like my usual heady, kind of thing but we all know that there's different kind of ways of knowing so this is going to be coming from a lot of my own personal experience so mm-hmm. your mileage may vary here's the thing that I want to say is that it, I've realized how it is so it's so hard for us to do conflict for so many reasons and I, a lot of it what I'm realizing not even just about myself and the groups that I work with and people that I know and shit that I see is that a lot of us are not like we don't train ourselves to do conflict. Mm-hmm. Let alone, I mean, before we even get there, I feel like a lot of us are oftentimes afraid to even have conflict. Mm-hmm. Like we think it's a shitty a bad, bad thing. thing. Yeah. So I want to just from the outset though, what I want to say about this when I'm talking about conflict, just to again to put some context to it. When I'm talking about conflict, I'm talking about in this in the course of this conversation. In the course of this conversation, I'm talking about the people that we are in struggle with. I'm not talking about the people that we struggle against, mm-hmm. right? The people in power. That's a good I'm talking about, like, we are, we are in the struggle together. Together. We're in the struggle mm-hmm. with one another, but we also have to struggle with one another. And that's where mm-hmm. ideas, you know, there's political, analytical, and sometimes even, like, personal disagreements. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm not talking about the way you go. I'm not talking about a Trump supporter or a yeah, cop. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> you know, finger fuck, motherfucker, all of them. That's yeah. not. That's not. Whoa. That's not who we talking about. Nikita. The graphic. So I, I want to be clear because I think there's a lot of times that, we're, like, again, I'm not to like you. What you were kind of saying with um, emotional abuse. I'm not saying that you got to be doing this with people who are just like who are completely. And always, forever, Com- going to be opposed. Yeah, committed to under to misunderstanding yeah. you and dehumanizing. Right. That you. that's not who we're talking about. Right, right. And you're talking about the siblings and the struggle. Right, siblings and the people who are like new and on the way to like mm-hmm. you know. So people who are going to have you know fucked up ideas, maybe not be saying all the right terms all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not gonna you know, as the young folks say. You know, I'm not going to keep the same energy that I have for a cop for a new person in struggle. Exactly. That don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing. Sometimes I feel like, sometimes I f- feel like it feels like the stakes of the disagreements between us mm-hmm. feel higher than the stakes against the mm-hmm. the people in power. Because it's like, we all know who that enemy is. It's mm-hmm. like, we know we don't give a fuck about them. Mm-hmm. We're trying to, you know, have society. We're trying to abolish a whole bunch of shit yeah. in the new kind of society. It's like, we know that there's no place for, you know, capitalists, swine, patriarchs, mm-hmm. cops, all that kind of shit. But I feel like, so it's like, we know that we're all on the same page about that. I feel like it feels like the stakes are higher when we have disagreements with each other. Because it's like, oh, well, fuck. Well, who can you trust then, goddammit? You know? And it doesn't have to feel that way. But I think it's like, I think especially for those of us who are used to, who agree on like 90% of shit, mm-hmm. 
you be like, oh, it's this 10% shit, bitch? Oh, it's that 10%? You know? And it's like, no, like, we don't actually. We have to remember, okay, there's a, there's a whole 80% of shit, 90% of that shit we that, we're, that we're tight on. Yeah. Right? So uh, it feels like the stakes are higher. Uh, but that, but it's like the fact that it's the fact hmm. that we have that ninety percent makes it more incumbent upon us to work that ten percent out. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, man, I feel like so I, one of the biggest issues that I feel like that keeps us from dealing with conflict. You you just got to be direct. You got to hit that stuff head on. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many instances where we don't address something. Mm-hmm. Or we do a roundabout, kind of passive-aggressive, subtweet, vague book kind of thing. And, it, and the shit that's already bad, just it just explodes. Mm-hmm. And so my thing, and I've had to learn this myself. Like, if I have a conflict with somebody, if I have a disagreement with somebody, and I think it's so hard now in the age of social media, but I'm like... If you have a direct personal way of contacting somebody, that should be your first and foremost way of addressing any any kind of disagreement, beef you got with somebody. Mm-hmm. I I can't stand when I get on social media and I see and I'm like, I know you two motherfuckers know each other. Yeah. And y'all subtweeting and sub and vague booking. I'm like, why are y'all doing this? Vague booking? Yeah. That's what that's what it's called when on it's Facebook. on Facebook. Yeah, vague book. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, I know y'all got each other's email. I know y'all got each other's phone number. I know y'all can send each other a DM. But y'all gonna keep uh, uh, probably a snail mail. You know where each other live, right? And I'm like, but but I'm like, we gonna do this like we gonna do this passive aggressive shit, and we just not gonna pick up the phone and be like, mm-hmm. here, this is the this is the disagreement that I have with mm-hmm. you, or this is why what you did pissed me the fuck off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like. And I just, I can't stand when I see movement people do that. Because I'm like, it's just so unprincipled. And it, and it doesn't actually, and it's not, and it's showing that you're not actually trying to resolve anything. Mm. You know, I'm like, what, what is it, what are you trying to do? And like publicly, and I'm like, and it's like, especially because a lot of us are in small communities. I'm like, everybody here know that y'all are talking here, about. But it is like, and so it's like, you're trying to send a message to everybody else in the community. You're not actually trying to squash the disagreement or work mm. through the disagreement or the conflict. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm still stuck on vague booking. Okay. Um, so I, I, I just feel like we have to, I think more of us should just do less of that passive aggressive social media stuff. Another thing, I, there's so much bad faith arguments. And what do I mean by bad faith? It's just simply what somebody, you can tell when people are hell bent a misunderstanding and twisting mm-hmm. what people are saying. Like, let's say you have a disagreement about strategy, mm-hmm. right? You're like, you know what? Let's say we're dealing with, uh, let's say we're doing something around police brutality. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know what? I think we should do a sit-in and somebody else is like, you know what? I think we should do a march. And you have a disagreement about it. Mm-hmm. Let's say, you're, so y'all are disagreeing about tactics right tactics, there. Tactics, yeah. But if, if you say you don't do this, then you don't believe, then if you don't do it this way, then you don't you don't care about police brutality. Mm. Now that is a bad faith argument because it's like the person is like, no, we agree right. on the issue. Right, right. And that it's a problem that we have to do something about it, but mm-hmm. we disagree about the tactics. Mm-hmm. I feel like I see this not just in person, but I feel like on social media all the time. All the time. People just be like, well, you're saying that! And I'm like, 
<laughs> There's no way that you could look at this and mm-hmm. think that somebody is actually trying to right, right, yeah, to make that argument. So yeah, I'm like, yeah. I think I go please. I, go sorry, ahead. no, I. So uh, what I wanted to say from the out outset of this is that I want you to, especially as somebody who works with couples and knows a lot about conflict, I really want you to <laughs> chime in here. Um, I was yes. So um, there's like this. Uh, I can't remember what theory. I think it's contextual therapy that talks about like dirty games. So that's that's these bad faith arguments, mm-hmm. right? So it's like we are arguing about like um, the distribution of like chores in the house, but you're like, oh, so you just don't care about me. So right. it's like right. this is not nope. about like nope. we obviously are invested in each other. Right. That's why we're here. Right. Yeah. And so it, it when you said that, it actually made me think about. Um, I think people do this with like historical things too, like um, like people always do them like Martin versus Malcolm, right. as if like they were on different sides of right. something. It's like just because they disagreed about like tactics doesn't mean that they had like different principles. Right, right, yeah. right. Again, it's just like, ugh, ugh. I'm sorry. This this <laughs> stuff really aggravates me. I know, Nikita. Um. <laughs> So this is my next point. I feel like a word I feel like I've heard myself and others say so much that I feel like it's connected to bad faith, kind of like the opposite. is like, I really just feel like we could have so much more generosity with one another. Hmm. You know, and I'm like, like, and again, like I said from the outset, that's why I made it very clear. I'm like, we're not talking about, I'm not saying you got to be generous with your fucking boss mm-hmm. whose livelihood depends on exploiting your uh, poor working class black yeah. ass. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? We're talking about the people who you are in struggle mm-hmm. with. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, so it's like, I really try to take, like what is the most generous read of what someone is trying to say or do? And it's, especially when you have, when there's so much evidence, it's like, because again, these are, these are people who you know, when there's so much evidence that this is somebody who you've worked alongside, who you trust, and I'm just like, like what, what? Why would you want to go to the most extreme, like bad faith, terrible view on somebody? It's like mm-hmm. especially when there's just no need for that, mm-hmm. right? And it's and you can and so for me, even like a generous, cause I and it's also um, like people are human. So it's like if somebody's doing something that's out of control, like and wild, or you're just like wow, they're you know they're kind of they seem like they're on one then. For me, my most generous read of that is not to be like, what well, who the fuck? I'm just going to be like, you know what? <laughs> this person is probably having a bad day. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's like, what I was. Like, what's, what's, what is the most generous way to try to understand, like, mm-hmm. why somebody is doing something that they're doing or w- trying to understand something that they're, like, that they're saying, even if maybe they're not using the correct terminology mm-hmm. or the same kind of shared political vocabulary right. that you have. Particularly in, like, these organizing spaces where, like, People get animated to, um, like, join movements when they are, like, when typically when, like, something personally Personally impacts them. them. Yeah. So you're already, everybody is already coming to the movement with a trauma. Like, whether it's, like, an intergenerational one or a direct one. So just, like, knowing that, uh, yo, like, this, whatever's happening right now might be reverberating through, like, some other shit you done experienced. And that's what's coming up right now. I think you're getting ahead of me, goddammit. Oh. I I honestly feel like one of the most important things that I have learned is that I think one of the things in my experience that makes 
disagreement so hard is that we bring our whole selves, you know, for better or worse, Mm -hmm. we bring our whole selves, you know, to these, you know, to these meetings, to these organizations. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you don't always, it is through like learning people and through getting closer to people that you, you start to have a sense of all the things that make somebody who they are. Yeah. And so what I have learned in my personal experience is that, and I was talking to you about this the other day, it's like sometimes you are, like you're having two art, two different conflicts about like one thing. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is like you can be arguing over like tactics and strategy, yeah. but there's so there could be other things like that are like, entangled in that yeah and if you and if you don't have like some kind of practice or some kind of again generosity to try to get at like what are the other kind of like more subterranean subconscious things that are happening then you're never going to get at the root of the argument Mm -hmm. so what am i trying to say you could be having an argument about again strategy or tactics Mm -hmm. but in the same argument somebody could be like really digging in their heels and really kind of irate and you and you're like what the fuck is going on and then you realize they're doing that because it they what you've come to what you have found out because they they think that their ideas are never implemented in the group. Yes, exactly. That's another level. Right. And so you're yeah. and so again that's two things yeah. that you're arguing about mm-hmm. there. And I in in I I think I have this is it is this fact is this experience for me that has made me think so much about conflict because I'm realizing I think that is the thing. It's like when you, and it's not even like in the course of that meeting, but it's like when you're hanging out with somebody on another time, like I'll never forget. It's somebody just, you know, somebody who I just, I'd be bumping heads with a lot. And they said, they, they, they had just talked real reckless one too many times. And I was really, I was like, I'm a fine where they are. And I'm a bust them over the head. Totally <laughs> unprincipled, totally unkind Bradley. Right. Yes, I y'all. Gonna, Nikita be be up here right. talking about she finna bust somebody head. And they and I was like, this person is just. I'm like, I have had it. <laughs> and then they picked up the phone and they called me and they were like, I had to, you know, I had to take somebody. I had to take a family member to the hospital. This stuff is happening. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't think you should be talking to people reckless. But when I have a full sense of that, I'm like. That that response makes sense to me yeah, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and so then when you see us like having a like again a, a strategic or uh whatever disagreement, then I then I'm like so you and they're not experiencing that as just like, oh, this is a political or strategic disagreement. Mm-hmm. It's like here's the sixth thing that has already gone wrong for me today in the yes. span of three hours. Yes. But again, the thing that I keep going back to is that we're not mind readers. And so I just, I appreciated that person so much for picking up the phone and calling me because I would mm-hmm. not have known that otherwise. Yeah. And so we really have to build in cultures of like just being direct and being honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, and and that's another thing I realized. It's like, if you don't have that kind of culture, then what 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 was what is the incentive or what would compel somebody to communicate in that way if right. the, if, if it's not already an established explicit clear practice? Yeah, it can't be an emotionally abusive space where people share and then that sharing gets like used against them exactly. in some way. Exactly, it's like there needs to be a healthy open space for people to share exactly. what's going on with them. Um, which is why movements should always include, um, like, mental health initiatives. And healing justice. You and remember healing. we talked about that yes. with Charlene Carruthers. Yeah. Um, From Jump. Healing is not separate from the movement, it's y'all. It's not. This is going to be a little bit, this might be a little spicy. 
But again, I'm talking about the context of struggling with, not against the people in power. It's about as spicy as paprika. Come on, Nikita. Oh, that's oh, that's <laughs> terrible. What I was about to say is, speaking of talking reckless, people really be misusing tone policing. Some of y'all be out here talking to people like you have lost your fucking minds. And y'all be and I'm like y'all be screaming and talking reckless and then when someone's like you know what you can't talk to me like that yeah then you're like you can't tone police me and it's like uh, oh, okay like they're misusing that yeah, word. I'm yeah I'm like you know because I say you know I was you know I was thoroughly reared mm-hmm. in a black ass community long before I ever explicitly called myself all these political mm-hmm. identities mm-hmm. and I feel like one of the important parts that I learned. From being a young black person. You don't talk to you me. You don't no talk to me any kind of way. <laughs> That's it. You don't talk to me no kind of way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so here, here's the thing. Like like I said, because I am generous, I'm not saying you have to be a you know, a, a robot, mm-hmm. an automaton, you're not allowed to have, you know, emotion. I'm not saying you're not allowed to be angry or frustrated, but personally, you got about one and a half times to talk to me like you outside of your mind. <laughs> I really do. You can you know, I really do. I really am committed to being principal, but the principles they get real tight. You be ready to push a wig real, back. Get real bent, and so and so that's one of the so that's the thing that is important to me. I'm like y'all, and again, and I feel like this is especially for um like people who are newer to struggle. I'm like y- y- y'all can't be yelling at these people and talking to them reckless mm-hmm. when they're new. And I'm like, and when people who are have like shown. Like they have like a good like who who act in good faith and are trying to understand a lot of this stuff. None of us woke up knowing this stuff. None of us. And so I'm like, y'all gotta stop talking to people like y'all have lost y'all's minds. Mm-hmm. I feel like the one of the things that exacerbates conflict. It kind of going back to one of the things that you mentioned in the emotional abuse thing is like I really feel like we have really lost a sense of proportionality and scale. In turn, mm. so it's like, mm. like a, so like a, this to me is like what kind of brings these two segments together is like conflict is not abuse. Yes, yes, and it's it's mm-hmm. okay to have disagreements, right? Is it, and I personally, I would say it's even okay as long as you're not getting too out of control. It's it's even okay to have spirited, heated, yeah, conflict, yeah. And I'm just, but it's like every time there's a. There's some kind of even like spirited disagreement. It's like people are like, "Well, this person's being abusive," and I'm like, "No." Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like no. There's there's a disagreement, right? And and that is okay. Yeah. You know, there's there's unhealthy ways to deal with disagreement. Absolutely, but it's like not every not every disagreement, not every argument, yeah, mm-hmm. is abuse, and not and so because it's not abuse, you know, there's. A different protocol. There's a different protocol. Yeah. yeah. There's so you people be having disagreements and be like, banish so and so from the group forever. And I'm just like, and again, going back to your thing, to your point. I mean, this is a thing we talk about in movements. Does this person have a pattern? A pattern of derailing, abusive talking. Mm -hmm. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's like. We just, I just feel like we have totally lost I do this all the a time. sense of proportion. I do this all the time in family sessions, whether it's couples or parents with kids. It's like, you can't, you can't respond to a two as if it's a 10. Boom. Because when it's a 10, you off the charts you now. You off the charts. You have no way to respond. So, so when it is abuse, if you've responded to every conflict as if it's abuse, when abuse actually happens, 
nobody got no skills to deal with it because we've been been responding to every conflict like it's a a 10 yeah and now you got four people left in the organization because you done banished (laughs) everybody right oh i'm gonna butcher it i'm gonna try to paraphrase it but there is this amazing amazing sharp brilliant indigenous organizer and writer a lot of y'all might know her her name is kelly hayes Uh, i think on twitter it's ms kelly m hayes I'm going to try to paraphrase it, but she had this wonderful tweet where it's like, she's like, your feelings are valid. She's like, but it doesn't mean that your response is proportionate to what happened. Yes. Yeah. And so she went on a thread. I'll I'll post the link to the thread in the Twitter, but she was like, Mm -hmm. she's like, I feel like we, we don't have any sense of this anymore because we, you know, we misuse and ruin terms like gaslighting. And I would even say emotional abuse. Yes. Yeah. And I'm just, again, we just have, I feel like we have totally lost any kind of sense of like proportionality, mm-hmm. scale. And I think that's, that's another thing that I've seen just completely just blow conflicts just wide open. Cause I'm just like, I think it's cause we fundamentally don't, we fundamentally like don't have any kind of like structure for like centering healing. Yeah. And so it's like, that's why these things get blown out of proportion. Ooh. That's why like terms get, used to the point of not meaning anything like i i tweeted this a few days ago like like does toxic even mean exactly, anything anymore exactly and a, a few years before that i tweeted does problematic even mean right. anything anymore and um and I, I the reason why i'm i think it's so important to make distinctions between these things between like conflict abuse and like um toxicity is because then we can actually build a framework to address these things. Monty, like, say that shit one more again. It's like we can actually build a framework to address these things. Like we we can't like be out here being like prison abolitionists and like calling everything abuse. Because right. then then it's like then we then so then everybody same, is outside everybody, of the Exactly, exactly. And and then it's like how do we then we don't then we creating the same thing that prisons did. Like we just lock everybody up, call everything a crime, and and we see that we live in that world right now. We know it and doesn't work. And we know work. it's a hellscape. Exactly. And honestly, money, what I think that you're getting at is like it's something some it's just what you said, it just it just hit me. It just like really resonated with me. The reason why I think it's so hard to do healing and to work through this stuff is because it's hard. It's hard. It is so much easier to throw people out, to cuss people out, mm-hmm. than to, like you said, actually collectively build processes, structures, and protocols. Yeah. And we'll take it from motherfucking me. It takes so much time to do that. And yeah. even in organizing, it's like, like a lot of that time, a lot of times, like that doesn't feel like the sexy stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, you got. There's so much. And it's not even because people are just like, want to be in the limelight. It's like, there's so many crises. There's so much other so things much that you're doing that you're not like, mm-hmm. this is the, this, this to me is the difference between organizing and activism, right? This, organizing is about the slow building of like organizations and people, not, not just to like, you know, win campaigns and victories and that kind of stuff, but it's like, but to support one another, to support one another yeah. in a structured collective way. It is, it's so hard to do that. Yeah. 
And it, like I say, it's easier to just throw people out rather mm-hmm. than to be like, okay, you know what? You have done this. Here's this protocol. Yeah. Right? Here's And uh, to collectively agree upon it. Like I said in a, in a other, Miriam, I said this in another uh, podcast, but Miriam Kaba says this all the time. Organizing is like 80% meetings. Mm-hmm. And so you spend a lot of time trying to come up with this stuff. And it's like, you, it's, and I know there's times when I'm like, you know, I'm ready to throw in the motherfucking towel. This is getting on my damn nerves. But but it's worth it to to do all that stuff mm-hmm. at the beginning. And so one of the things that I wanted to say to... Um, Who's going to be in your socially just world if you done threw everybody? If you cussed everybody out <laughs> and throwing them all out. <laughs> that don't make no sense. Excuse me. What I was going to say is I feel like uh, uh, just a basic thing. And I think you have to write this shit down. It has to be collectively, however y'all come, however y'all make decisions, it has to be collectively agreed upon how y'all are going to deal with conflict. And I know, like, this is something that, like, organizations I'm a part of, we've been spending a lot of time thinking about this. And there's a group, we've talked about them a lot, Southerners on New Ground. We looked at their their new membership, uh, new member packet, and one of the things that they had is, like, it's like, I am committed to dealing with conflict head on, like one on one, and yeah. I'm just like, like if you don't, sp- I know it sounds like ridiculous, but if you don't spell that shit out, then nobody's accountable to any kind of process, and more mm-hmm. importantly, you're not accountable yeah. to each other. Mm-hmm. And so, I could go on and on, but I'm gonna just uh, cut it right there. And appreciate your player. <laughs> All right, thanks for that. Was a nice uh, uncle sort of silence. All right, now go on, okay. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, share any kind of resources and tidbits yeah. and experiences that you all have. I know money is dying. I feel like I, I just, talk about Miriam Cobb in every opportunity I can. I think she's she's another, um, like, uh, patron saint of Queer Walk. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm so, I can't believe we hadn't put her on that level yet. Yeah. So, Miriam Kaba and Shira Hassan have Nikita this Nikita is holding up this book as like if y'all, y'all can, can see, see it. it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they have this really amazing workbook called Fumbling Towards Repair. A workbook for community accountability facilitators. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is the last. If y'all y'all know, like I said, I'm obsessed with Miriam Kaba, but there's another podcast, How to Survive the, the End, End of, of the, the World. World. And they yes. did. So Autumn Marie Brown and Adrienne Marie Brown, uh, also. Uh, Women of color and a queer woman of color baddies, y'all should know, mm-hmm. did this amazing interview with Miriam Cobb. I'll post a link to that. And she talks a lot about like um, transformative justice and like yes. how to deal with like abuse, you know, inappropriate behavior and conflict mm-hmm. within organizing. Oh my yes. God, that interview is so good. Yeah. So good. You know, I was also so good thinking of the Not Again SU students. Yeah. And um, that they said we shouldn't have to wait for tragedy to address like, ooh. like conflict. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. So oh God, like, I feel like I'm in some kind of black organizing church oh right now. All the resources. So we'll, the resources. We'll, we'll post their statement, their um, uh, deoccupation statement. Yeah. Fumbling Towards Repair. Yeah. That episode of How to Survive the End of the World. Yeah. Um, and, I'm, and y'all just need to follow uh, Kelly Hayes. So I'm going to put yeah. her info. So Nikita about to jump out this year, y'all. I am. But yeah, if y'all have any resources on how to deal with conflict or even like em- emotional abuse, because I feel like. Yeah, these, absolutely. These, very connected. Um, our words. Our words. In the mental moment, really connected. So Just throw like in the hashtag us. connected queer W O C P O D 
All right. All right, so we're gonna move it on along to our topic segment. And our topic segment is just where we throw everything that doesn't fit into our other segments. So we have a submitted topic. Should we do a um like a pseudonym since like we're gonna read a preface about yeah, 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 yeah. why they submitted the topic? This is going to be Tony Childs. Okay. Tony Childs uh, wrote us about the topic of being labeled or not. So preface. Tony writes, I am bi and I navigate the world as a cis woman. I know when people see me, they may not see a queer woman. I don't know how they don't, but whatever. <laughs> when I'm in a relationship with a woman, that's my business. And when I'm with a man, also my business. I'm not a huge fan of labels, though they don't bother me. I understand the privilege I carry. Do either of you have an issue with being labeled or clocked? Mm-hmm. Well, I should just say from the outset... I would say for the most part, I don't have a problem with labels, and I like labels. I mean, that's, I mean, to you, be honest. Okay, wait. You said you don't have a problem, but you don't like them? No, I don't have a problem with them, but I, I don't have a problem with them. I like labels. You like them. Okay. I mean, that's why I do the word, because I think that, I think that they're meaningful. Words, what yeah. I don't like is, um, actually, I'm not going to say that. So yeah, I, I think I think words, labels are. I think that they're meaningful, and I think that they're mm-hmm. um, important. Now, I feel like I might be offensive what I'm about to say. I, I was about to say one last thing. I don't feel, and I don't. I don't even mean. I'm not even trying to say this in a nasty kind of way, or any kind of like judgmental kind of way. I don't. I don't feel the need to explicitly. And publicly name and identify like uh, other parts of certain parts of my being that other people might like. Uh-huh. I, like I don't feel the need to label every single part of uh-huh. who I am. Yeah, that that is not important to me. Yeah, but I think labels in and of themselves are fine. And even for the things that like, so th- now this is going to be just an out and out shots fired. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people sh- shoot uh, shots. Like, sapiosexual is a ridiculous term. Okay, Nikita, you always say this off mic. Can we talk about sapiosexual and why you think it's ridiculous? Because okay. I think it's important. Okay. So, sapiosexual is a, just a completely and utterly obnoxious way of saying that you're in, attracted to, quote-unquote, intelligence. Yeah. But I'm just like, intelligence is just too broad of a category if you're not, if you're not, um, <laughs> I was about to say ableist trash. That's why I'm like, see, this is about to be offensive as hell. So, like, I think if you, in order to think about intelligence as beyond like IQ and like right. what what um degree somebody right. has, to actually think about how expansive intelligence is, like, um, like it takes a different type of intelligence to to be like a skilled basketball player, right? Than absolutely. It, than it does. Um, Absolutely. Take type of intelligence to be an incredible historian. Right. You know, it's like it's it's different, and those things can overlap. Like pe- right, people right, got right. multiple skills, right? right? I always think about that um, girl. I can't forget her. I, f- I always forget her name, but she sang like the national anthem and then dropped thirty points at that basketball. <laughs> it's like intelligence spans, like right. you know. Um, 
Yeah. Like people who could play music by ear, like that's right. a different type right. of intelligence. Right. But in order to think about intelligence that way, you 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 got to be breaking down some parts of ableism. And the reality is that the people who use that I would I will say this because I I shouldn't paint with such a broad brush. In my experience, First of all, I don't think I see as many people using that term as I did maybe like three to five years ago. Yeah. But the people who use that term are rarely ever thinking so expansively and broadly about all these different kinds of, mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, we're saying like intelligence because that's what the word means. But I think even in, for us, I would say like broader epistemologies, ways of knowing. Ways of they, knowing. They're, yeah. not, they're not actually concerned with that. It's like, no. it's usually just a status. Look at me. I... I have a passport and I go to the library. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know yes. the, kind of, the kind of people say, oh, I yeah. love deep conversations. Exactly. I'm like, exactly. okay, but like, there's yeah. all these different things you can have yeah. deep conversations about, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and, and my thing is like, nobody. We, and, we met at a lecture series. Right. Like, exactly. yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm just like, that, that feels like ridiculous to me. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think what I was going to say about labels, so something that I feel like Tony Childs is saying is that like, like not being read as how you identify. I feel like I get that. I still don't understand how people look at me and see a straight woman, but right. it happens. Yeah. Um, I think only because of heteronormativity sure. is that possible. But, um, so I think labels are important for finding community, um, if you are marginalized yeah. because of an experience that you have. I just think that some labels don't necessarily do that. Like I don't see how I don't see how some labels uh function because I can't see the ways that they are marginalized. That's not to say that they aren't. Maybe that's my privilege um showing, you know, but eh, that's just my that's just my thought about some labels. Um, and then another thing I was thinking of about labels is, um, to me, my labels that I choose to use when I talk about myself are political. And so when people just like string them together and to me, they like make no sense because I think of these things as political, that's when labels feel like they start to lose their meaning. Given the, what do you mean? Like lesbian, for example, Uh like, um, I use lesbian. I use black feminist because uh-huh. the the like women warriors who came before me use those yeah. terms to describe themselves. So are you saying that and, there are people who use those terms but not in the political sense? Yes. Okay. Yes. I think like Cheryl Clark wrote this essay in like the 70s about the expansiveness of the word lesbian. And I see people using it. To be, um, I mean, um, cis trash, like yeah, transphobic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see people using it uh, to exclude women of color, which feels really like mm-hmm, fucked mm-hmm. up. Um, and I see people using it to take away from womanhood, if that makes sense. Lesbian? Yeah. Like that. Um, that that is not it's not like a a romantic sexual and political attraction to women mm. that like you don't have to identify as a woman to fall under the category of lesbian and i feel like there there's there was something specific that got left out <laughs> that got that gets left out left out when that happens like so 
Hmm. Like for someone to not identify as a woman and identify as a lesbian, to me, um, misses what lesbian was trying to do in the first place, which was to talk about how a woman who loves another woman, whether politically, sexually, or romantically, Mm -hmm. lives dangerously in patriarchy. Mm -hmm. So like folks who don't identify as women who love women don't experience the same kind of violences that those who are who do identify as women mm-hmm. does that make sense i mean i think my only thought is oh so here so i think here are the things that i'm thinking when i hear you say that i feel like it is i think the main thought that i have is while there's like especially in different cultures and in different communities we have not always like people have understood gender beyond the binary yes what i so i I just want to say that but i feel like now kind of i feel like there's kind of like a nascent like there's like a growing like rethinking of like the binary right so it's like Mm -hmm. there's non-binary and all different kinds of like gender identities and expressions sure and so i feel like we are in a collective moment in a reckoning reckoning of so even though so I think the thing that I would think is even if those people are not identifying as women, patriarchy still structures their subjugation, it still structures their oppression. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, it's like an offshoot or a tangent, not to say that these aren't their own specific oppressions, but these a lot of the the gendered oppression that they face is because of misogyny. Yeah, it, yeah, and so um, so 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 for me, I think I don't I don't I'm not trying to say that I like I particularly understand the ins and outs, but I like I maybe I don't fully understand it, but I still think that like I couldn't explain it, but I still think that you could be not identify as a woman. And be a lesbian. Be a lesbian because I because we are in this broader moment of rethinking and trying to stretch and understand gender. But so, so it's like okay, some like asshole dudes like okay, I'm a lesbian. That's ridiculous. But if there is like a non-binary person or it's like somebody who doesn't identify as a woman is like a lesbian. It's like again, I can't fully account for that. I can't. I personally can't explain that, but I, I, I don't think I'm at a point where I'm like, you don't fit. You shouldn't call yourself this, uh, this particular nomenclature. And I, and I say that because I, I don't, I don't have a, I just not that I even have the desire, but I don't, I just don't have a, a well thought out reason why they shouldn't. That doesn't reproduce the, the binary. Do you know what I mean? Like I, like I, like. I don't think it it reproduces the binary because anybody who identifies as a woman is a woman. And sure, sure, like sure, 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 under sure. the binary, that'll be like hell the fuck no. Nah. Like you need X X da 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 to be a woman. And that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is like I think that there are other terms that do what like someone not identifying as a woman who is So like femme. Yeah, femme. Um queer. Uh, any of those like seem to capture that, and and I think also I'm just thinking that like the way I think about being a lesbian makes my life very very different than my queer friends. So it's like 
what what then does does lesbian mean going into 2020 it's it's so so that that to me is a fundamental question because maybe maybe we're at a point where lesbian in 2020 is going to mean something different than it did in 1980 and how do you see that being different um in a way that's still not violent to like women do you get what i'm saying no because i don't understand how it's violent to women if if like someone if someone can use a label and not identify with the group, but who the label was created for, but so why can't we just on some level expand who the label is for? I think I think you do that through expanding your idea of womanhood, not through. But if people are but if people are saying that, or if people understand that woman doesn't fully capture who they are and how they identify. Who are we to say you have to stretch this to fit, to fit who you are. And uh, and we're also, uh, you know, for the most part, two people who very much understand ourselves to be not, you know, women and lesbians. I'm cutting this. Why do you have to cut it? I think that this is a fine, good discussion. Why are you going to cut it? Because, I mean, we're also saying it's like a political term. So I'm like, what about that term? It's specifically captivating you to use it. Okay, moving on. It's not even that. Okay, so here's here's what I think in a nutshell is my issue. It's like. I, I I think that terms mean things, yeah. But the way people string them together means nothing to me. So it's like I don't I understand the the experience that some of these terms describe. I I don't. So Tony Childs was talking about understanding like the privilege you can. I don't understand where privilege and oppression factors into some of these terms, and I don't I don't understand. Um, when you string it together with all these other things, it's like, um, it just reminds me of like, well, who was that? Billy D. Williams, who was talking about like using multiple pronouns and all this stuff. And then, and then being like, I didn't say I was queer. Like y'all, it's like, oh, ev- yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what it feels like to me. And I don't know how to say that in mm. a way that like, that people won't take offense to. I it's see. like every, everything in the condition of my life, is shaped particularly by like how I fucking live. But then people use the the identity label and don't experience the things that I experience I see. by like actually living. So even if I didn't, even if I didn't identify, you would still be experiencing. I'm those still things. experiencing these things because this is my lived reality. Uh-huh. But when you like use this this um like term and then you for for all intents and purposes live like a a cishet straight ass life Mm -hmm. it's like then i get painted as like the queer police Mm -hmm. when i'm like i don't understand why you use this term right i think i got that i don't like when other people label me i don't like that i um like femme like, I don't really particularly like the term femme, mm-hmm. but people call me a femme, especially in, in our dynamic. Right. People call me a femme. Not even earthy femme? I like earthy femme. But like femme outside. Because I defined myself okay. for myself, yeah, you know? Shame. But 
Yeah. I don't like being called a femme. Because it just reminds me of college being called, like, an aggressive femme. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> um, Interesting. All these these gendered um, expectations and, uh, what is it called? Misconceptions. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't, uh, don't label me. I mean, that seems, yeah, that, I mean, I was about to say that should be a no-brainer, but, you know. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Um, I feel like one of the things that you're saying that I think is interesting, that I think I agree with for myself, but I don't know if other people feel this way, is, like, I don't think the usage of labels, I think for us who very clearly see and think about politics and oppression and marginalization i don't think that those are often not and not even to say that people who not even to say that if you don't use these terms terms in particular kind of way it doesn't mean you're not thinking about that but i don't think that the labels always are meant to mark oppression oppression yeah it's it's just meant to mark an experience and it's meant to say you know, it kind of like what well, I think I've said this before. But uh, what's his face, Mister Rogers? If it's mentionable, then it's manageable. And I think sometimes people just want—I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> like a tornado. <laughs> I think, I think a lot of times people want to put a name to something where you, whether it's like a, you know, a structural, systematic form of oppression. It's like you want to know that you're not like a weirdo or something. It's like, and it at the very least, it puts you in a community with others. This is my last thing. But if you already in a community <laughs> and and that to me that's like the experience of marginalization and oppression. If like if you for example, if you need to name that you are that your um romantic no, your sexual orientation is demisexual, mm-hmm. if you need to name that, but you already like you you have people, like you in a popping ass, like community of people like like then what do you get out of like naming that experience because that's not the way that's not the way that everybody experiences like asexuals yeah because who else because because to me it's like dating you're a person that could be like that person is fine let's get busy that's that's not the case for a demisexual and so if you and if and if everybody or if most people around you are like, oh, is that how most people are? I don't I don't. So this I don't goes, know. This goes back to my question about womanhood. It's like this is I feel like it's a product of misogyny because I think that people who are women and I mean that broadly, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that. <laughs> I'm saying that mockingly, but you know I'm serious. Right. Like, I mean women in, in the broadest of experiences. It's like, if pe- people who are women are socialized to not be like, that person is fine. I could right. fuck them right here. Right. So, it's like, is that a product of so of gender socialization? Sure. Or, like, um, conforming to... Nobody wants to believe that they're conforming to the socializations because everybody's so radical. But it's like... You have to realize that this does something to the ways that we are attracted to people. So it's like if you're if you're constantly getting these like competing messages about um like bust that pussy open but keep it back. It's like <laughs> how is, wow. How is how is this different than than the way that you're taught to 
to be attracted sexually to people. I mean, I feel like if you're going to use that example, then I mean, I mean, I guess I already know the answer to this. I'm like, why even have a term like heterosexual then? If that's like the the compulsory way that you're socialized into society. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it wasn't the named. Sure. It was only in contrast right. to homosexuality. Same thing with cisgender. Yeah. It's like it wasn't the named experience. Sure. I mean, so but, I, so going back to the question of labels, like, like when I when I read the description of demisexual, like that was my first thought. I'm like, oh, like this. I'm, I'm not gonna say most people experience that, but I'm like, it does not feel like a particularly uncommon way of relating and being attracted to people. Mm-hmm. And I think when I read it, I was like, that that makes sense for me. But like personally, I'm I'm never gonna walk around calling myself a demisexual mm-hmm. because it does for like. I mean, and so this is why I'm saying you and I, you and I agree Mm -hmm. on how we understand labels. I think the thing that I'm like trying to think through for myself and like pushing back on you on is that not everybody else. Okay. Like, like this, it does, that does not feel like an important way for me. Like demisexual. Why? Because you, you understand that like that does, um, that does describe your experience. Yeah. So why why is it not a, a term that you would use to describe it? So yourself? for me personally, I don't feel the need to be in, like we said, community. I don't feel the need to be specifically drawn to in community with people who are demisexual. Though I'm sure I know. Mad demisexual. Right. Yeah. And it's not like mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, get away from, you know, I, I'm yeah. absolutely. But it's not, it's not a <laughs> primary way in which right, right, right. I want to engage with people. Like the same way, like I said, like. I've said this on a podcast a number of times. I'm probably like on somewhere on the atheist agnostic scale, mm-hmm. but it's not a label that I ever use publicly because it's not, it's not, that's not the basis in which I'm interested. I'm not interested in relating with people specifically upon that basis though, because I'm okay. a Marxist and radical. I know a whole bunch of atheists, but that was not the primary way in which okay. we engage with one another. Okay. Okay. <laughs> What? All right, bitch. Okay. No, no, that's so, not how I'm so, saying it. So it's like the, how I'm saying it is like yes, you just made something make sense to me. So there's so the thing. So so I mean, but this is something we talk about privately all the time. Yeah. A lot of these markers and labels are not important to me because they're not ways that you want to engage with be, people. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So it's like uh, yes, you just made something click for me because it's like now now I will understand like why someone would use a label like lesbian and not identify. As a woman, or yeah. with like a woman experience, right? Because like that is a that is a political political legacy and like um, community in which you want to be engaged yeah. through. Yeah. Same thing with Black feminism. Exactly. It's like all my heroes called themselves Black feminists. I'm gonna call myself a Black feminist. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, the I'm thinking about fem. Like all the like all the violence. <laughs> That that yeah. word holds for me, and like not being femme enough, whether it's whether it's because of all these things, the way my the way my body is shaped, and like how yeah. you got to go above and beyond as a fat girl to even be called yeah, a femme. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, like yeah. that's not that's not a community that I feel like I'm seeking. Like where are the femmes right, at? Like right, I'm right. I'm not out here doing right, that. right, right. So you just made something click for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that Tony Childs might have been asking something a lot simpler than where we took it. That's what we do! <laughs> like, um, about, like, being labeled and clocked. I, I, um, don't get clocked. Clocked for what? I guess being, like, 
when I hear clocks, it's like, oh, you know, you somebody, know somebody's somebody gay. Yeah, like you know somebody gay, uh-huh. you know somebody queer. I feel like, I mean, I think I talk about this a lot, especially since I work with a lot of men. I'm always just, I'm like flabbergasted. I was gonna say flabbergasted. Some of them, I realize what what I realize some of them are doing is they're trying to suss me out, and so they don't actually what I've I've because one of my coworkers who I worked with, they're they're trying to gauge who I am. They don't actually think mm. that I'm straight. So they'll be like, yeah, so, you like, know. Like, what type of bulldog are you? So, 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 no, so they'll say something like, oh, so you got a husband? You got a ma- you mm-hmm. married? And I'm like, now y'all know. <laughs> I ain't got no husband. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're trying to. So that is one subtle thing that I've learned. But men still think. I feel like that's that's the only group that doesn't yeah. clock me. Cis, that's, cis straight. Yeah. And it's. I was about to say it's very much racialized, but even it's, not, it's like it's it, like black men of a certain age, yeah, and like cis straight white men just yeah of a certain age certainly just can't just can't read it. Yeah, I I think men definitely only only queer men yeah be like hey girl hey girl how you doing right, girl? Right. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but like I think I don't get clocked one because I'm so like politically loud about being gay. Mm-hmm. Like I just. Even even if people, if when I walk into a room, people think I'm straight. When I get done like talking, yeah. they're like, "Oh, she's definitely yeah. not." <laughs> um, yeah, I just I don't get clocked, and I think I make straight black women uncomfortable. Well, um, <laughs> with the three that are left, with yeah, because um, we what, what was that study? It's like you know y'all are up and up on the bisexual, bisexual, yeah. Whenever I leave my house, it's usually to do something pretty gay. So, mm. like all my most of my friends are queer. Yeah, I, I think we got a few stragglers. Stragglers, yeah. <laughs> we still love y'all. Still love y'all. Hey, girls. You know, um, we love you. You know, love is love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jeez. Last time I got clocked. I think the the only way I'm thinking of like getting clocked is like something will be happening between me and somebody else, and somebody will be like, "What what's going on?" Oh, that happens to you so much. That happens to me a lot. Ninety nine percent of it by me. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes even before I'm like consciously aware that I have a thing for this person. Yeah. So. Yeah. And just like as a last point, like when Tony Child said, when I'm in a relationship with a woman, that's my business. And when I'm with a man, that's my business too. We talked about this on our, I think it was like the bisexual episode. Oh, yeah. But there's like a, the thing about relationships is that they don't exist outside. In a vacuum. Of, exactly. Yeah. They don't exist outside society, outside of society that we live right. in. So it is. It is other people's business. Not right. that not that people should have a say. That's not what the fuck right. I'm saying. Right. You like you shouldn't be outed exactly. or anything like exactly. that. But like it it is And your sexuality doesn't change based on your of partner. Course, we're not saying that, but it's like the world is going to treat you different and yes. your your relationship is yeah. in fact is in turn shaped by the broader like how your relationship Accurate. who you're in a relationship yes. with is going to be shaped in and touched by the broader society. Yes, yeah, it's gonna be received. So like, it's, it can't yeah. just be this, this yeah. private thing. Right, that's right. just I that's just not how the world and society actually functions. I'm recognizing that some of my previous statements 
come from this very thing. Like, like feeling incredibly uns- being not just feeling being unsafe. I'm scared out of my damn mind, like having having painful experiences in society because me and my partner are not read as a straight couple. We're read as a queer. We're read as a lesbian couple. Both of us, not men. Right. So like, um, yeah. So I I am yet delivered. I'm doing all my (laughs) I'm doing my work around that. But like, yeah, to to be in relationship, I've never been in a relationship that would be perceived as a straight relationship. Right. And so, like, there there is a difference when you move through the world when you put your partner's picture up at work, like all these things, or even if you don't, because like even if you're like that's nobody's business, even like. We understand the broader forces that shape people's lives. So even if you like, even the split second where you think about it or you rethink it, yeah, Yeah. it's it's not just like your own private. Like there's something, there's a there are broader forces at play that even shape what feels like a private. Yeah, what like actually is a private moment, but there's there's a broader force acting upon that moment. that's that's what I'm trying to get. Yep. Yep. Okay. Because I I mean I can only imagine. Like with like buy and pan folks of like having this whole conversation yeah, about yeah. queerness with people, yeah, yeah. unpacking people's bullshit around hetero yeah. heteronormativity, and then you put up a picture of your partner who people would read y'all as a straight relationship, right? right? right. And um, or even um, there's this new Showtime show that I really think I'm gonna like. I can't remember the name of it, but it's starring the it's starring this like masculine presenting queer dyke right Mm -hmm. and she's dating a trans man and so it's like all her friends are like but you right right, you know it's like when you have to do that it's like then it then it does mean that there's an element of your relationship that's not just yours yours. yeah Yeah. which fucking sucks yeah right that's why i say it's not about you know making judgments on the you know the real you know, people are in the best position to make the choices that make sense for them. But it's just like, again, you're not doing that shit in no vacuum. Yeah. So it can't just be your business. Yeah. All right, well. That was supposed Thank to be you. short and it wasn't. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, Tony. Ah, Tony. <laughs> Holy fuck. Oh. All right. And now we're going to move it on along to our final segment. Of the year. Yes. Um, Curved Chronicles. Curved, 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 curved. Which is a segment where we talk about our dating woes and wins or your dating woes or wins. Y'all haven't sent any Curved Chronicles in, in a, a long minute, time. yeah. And y'all's, you know, not that ours aren't fun, but I really love when we get to hear from y'all. Mm-hmm. So send your Curved Chronicle right over to QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. Yeah. Or if you have any dating questions... Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Nikita, do you have a curved chronicle? I think I told you about this. I have I have some kind of it's some kind of chronicle. <laughs> but so because I do I y- y'all know I'm a loner, introvert. So one of the ways that I decompress after a long day, especially from work, you know, when I'm not too tired, I like I love to go to a place and just like have dinner with myself. Like have oh. a nice beer. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> so I love to have a nice drink and some dinner. So I went to this place by myself, as I often do, and I, there was a waitress. She she was very nice, very sweet. <laughs> and there's a thing that women do 
that I, I think it's it, I think it's because I'm it's from the south. I know some women hate it, but I, I kind of have a penchant and an, an affinity for it's it's something about it is like nostalgic for me when women call you like hun, sweets, babe, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So she was just calling me that. Like, oh, you oh, like that? Okay, you know. So she was just calling me <laughs> like those kinds of names throughout, you know, th- throughout my whole time at dinner. That that's. That's not strange, right? But I'm, I'm like, okay, that's fine. It's strange because we in Syracuse, New York. It's not, it's, oh, you know, maybe her, I don't know. Anyway, so my meal, so I, I had a hard time deciding on what I wanted. And then I was like, oh, what do you think is good? And so she made a suggestion. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try that. Yeah, so the meal, No, so the meal comes. And like, you know, I, you know, gotten to eat it, taste it. <laughs> and so... She comes up, I'm sitting in a booth, she comes up, she slides into the booth, and she's like, how does it taste? She's like, how does it taste, babe? Do you like it? (laughs) And she said it just, no, no, no. She was like, how does it taste, babe? Do you like it? And I was like, excuse me? I was so taken aback. How does it taste? I was like, is she still talking about the meal? What did you say? I was just like, oh, oh it's good, it's great, it's great, it's great. Yeah, because you know I'm like neurotic and weird, but I was just like, what? And she just like, she slid into the booth and leaned over and said it like that. I was just like, oh my God. Was that was that the moment when you realized she was flirting with you? I just it wasn't until actually after I left, I was like, that was a little salacious. Oh my god, Nikita, why does it take you so long? I don't know. <laughs> She's like, yeah, she's like, that's one of my favorite meals, too. I was just like, oh, my God. I don't think this woman is talking about the fajitas anymore. <laughs> this reminds me of one of Christian's pickup lines. <laughs> Do you want to eat something my mama made? Okay. <laughs> talking about So. Wow. Wow. That was more of like. Instead of a curved chronicle, it felt like more of a salacious story. Wow. I, like, I can't, you know, I need to be more bold like that. Well. Maybe I need to pick up a waitressing job on the side. Oh, you would probably just be talking nasty for no reason. <laughs> just get on a bus. How does it taste? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I, I It's like... Three weeks later, and I'm just still scandalized and baffled by it. <laughs> um, so, money. What? Any curved chronicles from you? But you know, I ain't got no curved chronicles. Well, I just, I haven't been doing the relational stuff. You just gonna curve 2019. That's fine. Yeah. That's okay. You know, I'm gonna end 2019 the same way I started it single. <laughs> single again. Yeah. Back on the prowl. Not that part. No. Going into 2020 Um, with 2020 vision. You know, I have very meaningful friendships. What what that fulfill? What young MA song were you singing earlier before we started recording? (laughs) I don't need my niggas because my girlfriend is my hitter. (laughs) That's not very community oriented now, is it, you all? (laughs) She I wouldn't I wouldn't need community if I had young MA. (laughs) <laughs> that is I hope the queer out community lights you up for that comment. 
<laughs> Nikita said she wouldn't let anybody near Young and I, I, Because I was listening to the lyrics of those songs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't listen to the lyrics. I just come for a good time. I bet. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's the problematic fave. Yeah. She she really is a babe, though. She's cute. She's a cutie. I feel like I didn't realize that until this year. Yeah. I, n- I never saw it for her. I didn't get what people were. Uh, but, you know. I love cute little hard stud like that. Uh, most of the time, I don't. I really like the, like... I like the aesthetic of it. The androgynous, gender fluid. Oh my gosh, fluid. you do. Yeah, of course. That's my thing. I mean, I think I think I like that um, that hard stud aesthetic. It's not like the oh my gosh, y'all! I've been oh trying to get oh Nikita. So Nikita hasn't had a haircut since. Uh, oh yeah, actually, <laughs> people can see it. Nikita hasn't had a haircut since April, and that's a much an line. <laughs> That is a bold face. What was, your, what was your last haircut? I don't have to confirm this on the show. It's not a part of a segment. May? No, no. It was. It was in the fall. <laughs> anyway, her hair is long enough to braid, and I've been trying to talk Nikita into straight backs. I'm. I'm just not that kind of a lesbian. Yes, you are, Nikita. It's just you wear a hard hat. No. <laughs> no. Something about it just feels too hard stud for me. I just feel like it'll send the wrong message. You think that straight backs are harder than like a brush cut, like a fade? I don't know why. So it's like it's just something. I'm not saying that there's a rationale behind my logic, but something about straight backs just is like, oh my God, like. That's I, too gay. Ooh. <laughs> That's what it feels like to me. I just feel like it doesn't actually, for some reason, it just doesn't speak to my gender presentation. <laughs> Young and May don't wear straight backs. I mean, she still has those. I've never done really any kind of like cornrows? braid or cornrow. Hmm. I used to. That was my a signature style. Actually, my, uh, my best friend's mama, when I was young, did. Mm-hmm. She put some braids in. But I was like 10, but like not as an mm-hmm. adult. Mm-hmm. In high school, I don't. Well, I mean, you also just, I mean, you are kind of a hard stud. <laughs> Internally. Yeah, I'm exactly. A stud Oreo. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I just feel like that would. Maybe that's why I didn't really see it for M.A. Because I just feel like she was my competition. Oh, my, probably. <laughs> I just feel like people would find me out. Like, people would be like, now that bitch knows she ain't even no stud. So, you think people would. Expect certain things. People would clock me. (laughs) I'd be like, now why that little gal out here? (laughs) You think you're not hard enough for straight backs? Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it doesn't. Like I said, it does not fit my understood that you're a delicate flower. Yes. Yeah. And actually, literally, I'm too tenderheaded to get any kind of cornrow. Oh my god! You know what? I'm dating this degree. Y'all know what about a week and a half. She gonna be <laughs> lusting, tweeting something nasty. Something. I mean, I'm always lusting. Going on a Tinder tomato date. She I gonna be doing something. Will not she gonna be, be doing going. something in about in a matter of two weeks. Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. Anyway, you all, this is we're gonna take we really need some time off. Just for the holidays. Yeah. We'll be gone. 
Can we do like end of January? Isn't that what we did last year? Yeah, we came back at the end of January. So we'll it's be back same. at the end of January. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we didn't even say that. Kamala's out of the race. I think we single-handedly did that. That was us. That's why she left us that nasty review. You know what, Pete Buttigieg? Don't get too motherfucking comfortable because we're coming for you next, goddammit. Oh, I can't stand his white ass. We single-handedly take down politicians on yeah, this program. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. Well, shit, let me just scream out Joe Biden. Pete Buttigieg. Amy Klobuchar. Bloomberg. Out. Out. All right. Um, wow. I feel like this was a complete mess. But <laughs> kind of like our 2019. Yeah. My 2019 was pretty uh, reckless. I, but I, you know what? I really do think that like big things are coming in 2020. 2020. Yeah. Oh, God. The yeah. fashion. The fashion of the 20s. Oh, I'm so excited. This has been Money, the Dunn Dissertation Dyke. And this has been Nikita, your friendly neighborhood practicing homosexual. And thank y'all for rocking with us all 2019. All 2019. And we are so... fine-teen. That didn't happen. It did. You have to concede. You have to... Just like Kamala, you got to drop out the (gasps) race. (laughs) Cut the microphone off now. I'm not playing with you. See how she only called me Montanique? She be mad. (laughs) Montanique. back on all right but what i really want to say is like thank y'all thank y'all so much we for rocking really, with us all 2019 really cannot do this without y'all really like it got rough towards the end of the year yeah. and y'all still showed up and support us it takes a lot to get this done yeah um so thank y'all so much and i'm so looking forward to 2020 queer walk 2020 me too ah all right, I don't know how to wrap this shit up. So happy holidays, y'all. I'll catch you at the Kwanzaa kickbacks. We'll both be down south. Yeah. So, you know, we'll All see. All we want for Kwanzaa is for you to come back and listen in 2020. That's it. Yeah. So, you know, Nikita's uh, birthday that that rude motherfucker Jesus stole is also coming up. I didn't say that. <laughs> I don't want no bad juju with none of the deities. <laughs> None. Um and yeah, happy new year. Yeah. Uh and now that a bitch ain't dissertating, oh, I got time. I got time for what money? Um I was thinking like <laughs> I was thinking like one of those compilation episodes that people have been requesting. Oh, that would be so cute. Yeah. What you thought I was going I didn't know. You sounded like you was ready to square up with somebody. No. I was just like, oh, I can, I have time to edit now. Okay. All right, y'all. Why don't you cut this shit off?